Ramble. Bada bing, bada boom. The Harvard of China was having a special performance at the Beijing Symphony Orchestra. This is a very big deal. Black cars are pulling up. Valet workers are rushing to open the back door for these high-profile guests that are in attendance that night. So the symphony, I mean, they usually have like a rather high-class demographic, but because this is hosted by Tsinghua University, like the Harvard of China, it's just a different breed of people, a different class of people. Couples dressed to the nines. They're gracefully walking into this massive grand theater. Men in perfectly tailored black suits with their shiny little cufflinks peeking out. Women in dresses that are touching the floor, and they've got little sparkly clutches. Everybody's smiling at each other. They're making small conversation while they make their way to their seats. Imagine a room full of Harvard alumni professors, parents of the students, and donors. Like the collective power and influence in this very theater that night is kind of scary to think about. Some of the most powerful figures in politics, business, finance, health, I mean, sectors of industries that we don't even think about that secretly control everything, they're probably in that room. They're gathered in that crowd. And they're sitting and they're waiting for this performance to start. There was a lot of pressure on the Tsinghua University students that would be performing on stage that night, and an even greater pressure on one of the students named Ling. Ling was going to have a six-minute solo. This could be the most important six minutes of her life. Okay, that sounds dramatic. Like, uh, it's not that big of a deal. It kind of is. Because if she were to look out into the crowd, into the audience, those are her deans, her professors, but also these are probably her future bosses. These are probably her future sponsors, donors, everyone that she might need in the future to make a name for herself is in that room. She can't make a mistake. She can't mess up. She needs to impress them. If she thought too long about it, it was just an anxiety-inducing feeling. She just needed to get into the flow, and it would be her and the guqing. So guqing. the gu, guqing is an ancient Chinese instrument. Like, to even know how to play this instrument, it's not like the violin. Nothing's wrong with the violin. But it's to even know how to play this old-school instrument is typically already a status symbol. It's not a common instrument where you can find a bunch of teachers here and there, you know? An ancient Guqing from the Song Dynasty actually sold for $22 million, making it one of the most expensive instruments ever sold in the world. Really? Yeah. There's oh, okay. From, from the Song Dynasty, then that would be a piece of... Artifact, yeah. yeah. I yeah. mean, it's crazy. But in this theater, where everybody is from money and prestige, like the novelty of knowing how to play a historical instrument, nobody cares. Everybody knows how to. So the only thing Lin can do is nail it. So the instrument is like this long wooden board with seven strings attached. You sit down in front of it. So you almost sit like on a cushion on a floor and you use your fingers to play the strings. Imagine a much, much smaller harp. But it's got the same requirements in the sense that half the performance is the music and not making mistakes, yes. But half of it is the elegance and the poise that one has while they play it. Like they should have the perfect posture. They're not hunched over the instrument. They should move their body with the music as if they're like in the ocean being pulled by the same wave. So to be a source of comfort for Ling, a lot of her friends had showed up and they're seated in the front to kind of ease her nerves. A lot of them were almost as nervous as Ling. 
They had seen everything that she had been through in the past two months to get to this point. Like every part of Ling's life up until this very moment was about these six minutes. She had basically given up her own health for this. I mean, the nerves had gotten so bad that the past three days leading up to her solo couldn't even stomach a single thing. She was having what friends thought was stress-induced stomach pains. She's barely getting any sleep. She has a hard time keeping her eyes open. Her vision's getting blurry because of how dry her eyes are. And everyone's like, shh, she's getting started. Ling walks onto the stage, bows, sits down, and starts playing the instrument. For the first few moments, her friends, they're kind of like holding their breath. They're so nervous. But eventually, they kind of ease up. Even they get lost in the music. You would never be able to tell that Ling was nervous. She was one with the music that night. Her hands were moving as if they had a mind of its own, creating just the most beautiful sounds that were now just echoing through the theater. Some of Ling's friends were even moved to tears. It's like Ling had channeled all of that stress and anxiety the past two months into the music, and it was cathartic. So when the six minutes were up, the audience erupts into this applause. Ling's friends stand up and some of them are even screaming like, whoa, they're so proud of her. Ling smiles at them and she bows deeply. And there was just too much going on for her to see that her very best friend was standing in the crowd. She's standing up too with this big beaming smile and she's clapping so loud that her palms are getting red. But one of her eyes has a slight twitch That night, Ling would skip the celebrations and go home to finally get some rest. So now that all the pressure has worn off, she's feeling the exhaustion. She steps into the shower and she starts calmly washing her hair. And she looks down. There's a fist-sized ball of hair in her hand. She reaches up to run her hand through her hair once more. And another fist-sized clump of hair is now next to her feet. She opens the shower curtain and looks in the mirror. There are just big, bald, patches all over her head, polka dotted, like someone had just cut off holes from her scalp. And this was only the start. Within a few weeks, Ling would be wheelchair bound, unable to move, unable to speak, or even control her own facial muscles. She will go from being one of the most promising students at Tsinghua University to having the mind of a six-year-old child. This was not a disease. This was not a genetic condition. Something was happening to Ling. Or maybe someone was happening to Ling. As always, full show notes are available at RottenMingoPodcast.com. This case takes place at one of the top universities in China. We had our Chinese-speaking researchers assist with the gathering of the data on this one. I do have to preface this one by saying a few of our researchers were genuinely spooked by working on this case. You'll see why by the end of the video, but it's one of those cases where you start wondering, oh, how much power does this person have? And what if they don't like that we're talking about this? That's kind of the feeling, so (laughs) save me. I'm just kidding. But uh, with that being said, let's get into it. You have a higher chance of getting into Harvard than Tsinghua University. Okay, before you get riled up, that's not to say that Tsinghua on a global scale is better or more respected than Harvard, but it's a good look at like the ultra competitive atmosphere of the Ivy Leagues of China. So for example, Harvard and Stanford both have an acceptance rate around 3-4%. to Tsinghua, in comparison, has a domestic acceptance rate of 0.4%. They're pretty welcoming of foreigners, so it's easier to get in as a foreigner. But when you're born in China and you're studying in China, 0.4%, that's not even a full number. It's not even 1%. 
It is consistently ranked number one in the best global universities in Asia by U.S. News and World Report. And regardless of how you feel politically, the most powerful man in all of China, Xi Jinping, is an alumni of Tsinghua. The motto for Tsinghua officially is self-discipline and social commitment. But a lot of netizens say the real motto of Tsinghua is lifetime of prestige. And from the moment you step on that campus, you feel the prestige, you feel the power. Like, truly. It's so strong, it feels like it's something that just circulates in the air. Like, just wafts through the AC vents. The university has a yearly budget, spend budget, of $5 billion. Yeah. Wow. And you can feel the money. On campus, there's multiple gardens, observatories, an art museum, grand libraries, auditoriums. Like, this is the place where daughters of powerful political families walk around with their books. Sons of wealthy businessmen are sitting on the grass discussing share prices. Like, everyone at Tsinghua either comes from a super powerful, prominent, influential family, or they're a level of smart where I'm like, I don't even know if I can have a conversation with this person. Like, we're not even the same species, I feel. Or sometimes they're both. Scholars from influential families. And you would think, you know, once I get into Tsinghua, life is good. Lifetime of prestige, they said, right? Work your ass off till you get accepted, and then you're done. But it said the peer competition at Tsinghua is next level. Absolutely brutal. Cut throat. Former students have admitted to doing things that they probably wouldn't have done otherwise had it not been for this unrelenting pressure, unrelenting competition that was fostered at this school. Backstabbing, cheating, betraying friends. Stress takes a toll on people. And people were wondering, did perfect Ling crack under that stress? Okay, so Ling, she's one of the 31 chemistry majors at Tsinghua University that year. Her class is just a total of 31 students. Like the graduating class is much bigger, but chemistry majors, 31 students. That's it. 20 guys and 11 girls. These are probably the 31 most competent students in the nation. And even within that group, Ling was probably ranked top three. Wow. She was perfect Ling. That's how everyone describes her. She was the perfect of the perfect students. What made her really stand out was she's smart, but she's also tall and beautiful. And she kind of has this stoic personality. And all of that combined is just the walking definition of Ivy League elegance and poise. Like, if you want to look at the poster child for Ivy League student, it's Ling. The fact that she stands out as being a sophisticated student at a place like Tsinghua, I mean, I think that says a lot about her. So most of the kids, you can kind of guess where they're headed. You're like, I mean, they're all smart, so probably somewhere great. But you're like, yeah, that one's probably going to work at his dad's company and be like a multi-multi-millionaire because his dad's already rich. That one for sure is going to attempt to be a government employee. Probably won't be spectacular at it because they're not great with people, but they're really smart. They'll be okay. But with Ling, everyone was like, I don't know exactly what she's going to do, but she's, yeah, she's going to be someone special. She's like destined for big things. We're going to read about her in the news, which they would, but for a different reason. But she's not pretentious though, nor is she spoiled about it. She was just classy in a way that money can't buy. She just has this level of self-assuredness. And interestingly, charisma is often defined to be the combination of warmth and competence. When someone is super competent at what they do, but they still have the ability to be warm to others, that's what a lot of people say charisma is. And that's Ling. So when she first gets to campus and starts living in the dorms, all the other students, 
I mean, it's Qinghua. Yeah, they're honestly kind of jealous of her. I'm going to be honest. Yeah. But they, she just had this it factor. She would walk around campus, go into classes, and all these guys would just gravitate towards her. And slowly, as the months went by, there was this weird, unexplainable decline in Ling. Let me explain. Originally, Ling came to class early, not a hair out of place. I mean, even during finals week, she didn't look that stressed. She looked more focused and in the zone. It's like the type of person, how do you have so much energy? How are you, like, we're working on the same things. Are you getting any sleep? How are you fine and I'm dying? But as the months dragged on, Ling started to crack. She starts showing up to class late. And even during the lectures, she would sit in her seat and there would be like sweat dripping down her forehead. And it, it seems like she's in pain. She's not focused. She always seems tired now, out of it. She never knows what's going on in the lectures, which is weird. Initially, she and even her professors thought maybe it's stress. Maybe it's some sort of stress-causing gastrointestinal problems because her stomach was hurting a lot. She tried to go to the school clinic and get some painkillers, but it didn't really help much. So Ling went from being early to being late to just full-on not showing up to class. Her friends are starting to get worried, so they would go visit her in her dorm room where she lived with three other girls. They'd say, Ling, are you, are you in here? Is everything okay? They'd walk in and they'd find her like shivering and whimpering in bed, just in pain. There would be not fist-sized clumps, but pretty good clumps of black hair on the pillow next to her. Not just like strands of hair that naturally fall out as you're rolling around in bed, but like a chunk. W what is happening? Is that your hair? Like, are you okay? Are you sick? Shouldn't you go to a doctor? Ling would brush them off and tell them she was fine. It's just the stress. But she would be back in class tomorrow, and it was going to be okay. By the end of that semester, perfect Ling was gone. Instead, people said she was kind of like the campus ghost. Her face was pale as snow, and her lips were almost always purple. She would walk slowly, and it looked like she was just in pain every time she took a step. Most of her hair had fallen out and she was completely bald. There was just like wisps of hair. So it wasn't even a clean bald, just little bits of strands of hair coming out. And she always wore a hat to cover it. And she's still going to classes? Yeah. Sometimes Ling's eyes would just glaze over and she would tell her friends, I can't see anything. She would lose her vision for hours at a time. What? So there were theories spreading on campus of what was going on with Ling. I mean, the obvious one was people thought, okay, maybe it's some sort of stress-induced disease, an undiagnosed disease. Maybe she has cancer, an autoimmune disease, alopecia, where you lose hair. But then more sinister theories started circulating amongst the students. I think it's the stress. I heard she was backstabbed by her best friend. Yeah, Sunny. Yeah, it, I don't know. She just hasn't been the same since they got into all these fights. And the other students are like, what do you mean? Like, what, what does that have to do with how she's doing physically? I don't know. Apparently, she was friends with this girl, Sunny, who constantly lied to professors about where Ling was. Like, Ling would have to miss practice for orchestra or something because she had a crazy test. But Sunny would just lie and tell the teacher that Ling didn't want to show up because she's already too good. And all the other kids need to catch up to her, so they should come to practice. Yeah, it's really bizarre. But maybe it was just too much for Ling to handle. You know, maybe she grew up sheltered and she never realized that people are cutthroat in this real world. Other students had wildly different theories. She's a chem major. Maybe she was trying some secret experiments, trying to make a name for herself. It wouldn't be the first time an overly ambitious student hurt themselves like that. But that would be really crazy, though. Poisoning herself by accident, trying to make a name for herself? Bay had been friends with Ling since high school. 
when he heard she was hospitalized a second time, he rushed to go see her with a get well soon basket. Now, I'm not sure how much of the situation Bay knew beforehand, but he assumed that his friend from high school was tired, maybe sick, but he would keep her company. He would sit next to the hospital bed, read her books. They would watch dramas together. He would hold her hand when she was in pain. The silver lining was maybe they'd have some time to finally catch up. But when he walked into that hospital room, he stopped dead in his tracks. Bay said when he saw Ling lying on the hospital bed, his first instinct was to turn around 180 degrees and run out the hospital. He wanted to run as far away from Ling as possible. And that sounds really evil, but it wasn't evil. It's not because he was scared of her or think she's contagious, but it was one of those moments that made him question the rules of life. You know, you hear about people, people get sick and it's a slow, typically, unless there's a big accident or some sort of trauma that happens, it's a slow regression of their health. But it just didn't make sense for a smart 20-year-old to be lying on a hospital bed like this. It just felt random. And I think that randomness is scary for people. Ling had done everything right. What do you mean she's got some mystery illness that can take away everything that she worked so hard for? Wait, so what is the hospital saying? What's going on? They have no idea what's going on with her. Oh, just, they don't know what, what, what... No. So just a few months ago, Ling is perfectly healthy, but now she's laying here half naked with several machines hooked into her, tubes running out of her body, through her nose, through her mouth. Her hair is all gone. Her mouth is wide open. She's having these entire body convulsions nonstop. Her face is semi-paralyzed and her eyes, they alternate from bulging out of her face as if she's pleading with the people in the room to help her, to save her. And then they would unconsciously roll towards the back of her head Like she's honestly like being possessed is how they describe it. Kind of very visually concerning. Then her eyes would roll back and they'd be bulging out. But she can't she can't communicate with people. She's like screaming, but it's in what Bay calls an unknown language. Whether it's just sounds trying to make words come together. He can't understand a thing. And this all happened in a couple months, like two, three months. And the doctor have no idea what's going on. No. They're just standing around like, we have no clue. Truly. If they even tried to touch her, she would start convulsing in pain as if they're like shocking her with electricity. And they're not even touching her rough. They're not like trying to move her around. They're just trying to comfort her by maybe grazing her arm softly. It seemed like even the hospital gown that was touching her skin was sending her body into a state of pain. It just, it was confusing. And Bay felt like this girl, my best friend from high school, is asking for help. I can see it. The way that her eyes are looking at me, the way that she's trying to talk, but nothing is being communicated. He said he would never forget that look. So he did the only thing that he knew how to do. So he starts asking questions. He and Ling's parents, they ask the doctors at the hospital what they think the diagnosis is. And the doctors are stumped. Then Bay asked the parents for a list of everything that's already happened in the past like month or two. Give me all of Ling's symptoms. This is the second time she's in the hospital. What happened the first time? They said, I mean, at first the symptoms seemed very innocent. Ling would be studying and she said that she had this ache in her stomach, like a, like a pang in her stomach. It's like, ooh, ouch, a cramp. She'd wince, but just as fast as it comes, it goes, it's gone. And stomach cramping is hardly an alarming or life-threatening situation, especially for women. I mean, you chalk it up to cramps, menstrual cycles, hormones, all those things. But a week later, she said the ache stayed a little bit longer. Then it started to feel so strong, the pain would just have her double over in agony. Sometimes the only relief that she would get was to drop onto the floor and curl herself into a fetal position. 
And I'm sure she just kind of brushed it off initially. A lot of East Asians, and probably some here too, stomach pains are often contributed to stress and anxiety, which she clearly has a lot of at school. So she just resorted to drinking a lot of Chinese herbal teas. But gradually, it became so intense that she would pass out from the pain. And like that, that's not normal. And she would think, I need to go get this checked out after this exam, after this class. But at Tsinghua University, there's really never enough time. There's no good opportunity to take some time off to worry about your health. There's always the next thing you need to get through. So her symptoms, they start escalating. Ling would have blackout moments where she would be staring down at her paper. The words would start blurring together and she would rub her eye because she's thinking, maybe there's something in my eye blurring my vision. But no, for hours, the blurriness would stay. She would have a loss of vision temporarily for hours at a time. And then her hair started falling out. That This is probably the most shocking visually just because, um, you know, and I know that some people are going to try to make it sound silly, but hair is a huge part of someone's identity and self-confidence. And I think the visuals of having it come out in clumps, that can't be associated with anything good. Like that is a very scary underlying health problem type of feeling. Ling is having clumps of hair fall out in the shower. And at first, again, not a suspiciously large amount of hair, but later, fistfuls of hair. Even when she would just run her hands through her hair, she would be left with a bald spot on her head. Within weeks, all of her hair had fallen out except for tiny little wisps, like tiny little strands. So she gets hospitalized the first time. She only had little wisps of hair. And this is a few days before Christmas. She's hospitalized the first time. And her parents are staying by her side the entire time. She goes through a month of treatment. A month. Nobody knows what's going on. They test her for arsenic, mercury poisoning, because she's a chem student. But all of her levels are normal. Which honestly was a bit weird because she had mise lines on her fingernails. Mise lines. It's when someone's nails look like there are blue, black, white lines running across it's super noticeable so if you look at your fingernails there's some vertical lines right now Mm -hmm. but if you see really intense thick horizontal lines you need to go to the hospital i mean unless you like jammed your finger and it's a bruise or blood pulled under there if you've got them on all 10 and it's super noticeable like dark black ocean waves on your nails type it's usually a sign of some strong underlying health problem like kidney failure or even poisoning So she's got Mies lines. Her kidneys are fine, kind of. And she doesn't have arsenic or mercury or really anything suspicious in her system. And the hospital decides to go to Tsinghua to request a log of all the chemicals that Ling would have come in contact with because all of it is logged. And there was nothing that could have poisoned her. They weren't working with some crazy radioactive chemicals. Just, there's nothing. So it had nothing to do with her major. It wasn't cancer. It wasn't an autoimmune disease. It wasn't kidney failure. It was just it was just a mystery. How do you go from being perfectly healthy to not even being able to pick up a pen or use the restroom on your own? But after a month, Ling gets better. And she's like, mom, dad, I need to go back to school. I can't do this. Like, I've already missed my finals because I came here before my finals, literally during finals week. I got to go back and take my finals ASAP while the information is still fresh. Otherwise, this whole semester down the drain, I have to repeat it. I can't do that. And her parents are like, no, you can't go back to school. Like, you're our only precious daughter. We don't even have answers on what caused this in the first place. It feels dangerous to send you back to where the illness started. And like, what if it's from stress? Surely going back to school cannot be that important. And Ling is like, no, if I don't go back to school, I might as well be dead. So she goes back to school, regains all her strength. And she's like, see, mom and dad, like, look, I even have a skip in my walk. I'm good. Don't worry. 
she goes back to school in February. And by March, she was laying in the hospital bed, unable to even communicate. Bay tried to take matters into his own hands for his friend. He started reaching out to a bunch of professors, medical professionals, not just in China, but all over the world. He translated all the symptoms that Ling had into different languages and started posting them on all these internet forums. Wow. And I'm not talking like Reddit or 4chan. Like he's trying to target medical forums. Mm. In less than 30 minutes, he got his first email back. And within a few days, he had close to 2,000 emails from 18 different countries. No way. Yeah. And these, again, are not just some random people on the internet. They're not Stephanie Sue leaving a comment. Some of the most notable responses came from doctors working at the Chinese embassy in the U.S., a Chinese doctor living in California that had studied poisons, foreign doctors that worked at some of the world's most well-respected hospitals, like institutions on a global scale. And all of them gave the same response. Thallium. And if her symptoms are already this bad, that means most likely someone is poisoning Ling. And they want her dead. Not only that, they want it to be a very slow, painful, torturous death. Thallium is to make someone a shell of a human before they kill. Thallium? Yes. I'm going to get into the whole thing. Now, one email like this could be written off as a super dramatic, pessimistic doctor who has like a propensity of fear mongering. But when half the emails that Bay is getting from respected doctors say the same thing, Bay and Ling's family, they have to take it very seriously. So they start doing their own research. Thallium is heavy metal atomic number 81 on the periodic table of elements. It's a highly toxic metal once considered the magic ingredient in rat poisons and insecticides, mainly because it's just really, really good at killing. Like it's not any sort of crazy science of like when it enters the rat, the rat has this and then with the rat coming. No, it just like kills anything. It just kills. It's really good at it. Eventually, it was banned in rat poison in most major countries, including China and the U.S., because people started using it not on rats, but like on their boyfriends, on their rich aunts, you know, their wives. And actually, interesting history, before it was used in rat poison, back in the early 1900s, it was used as a lice deterrent. So if your kid had lice, you would go to the pharmacy and pick up a bottle of thallium, feed it to your kid because it causes hair no loss. No way. Yeah. And your kid would just go bald. And you'd be like, well, that got rid of the lice, which is, I don't know what kind of problem that is. Imagine having a bruise on your arm and then cutting off your arm. But nowadays, thallium is called the poisoner's poison. It is odorless, colorless, tasteless, slow-acting, and painful. Thallium causes such a wide range of symptoms that it's often overlooked and misdiagnosed by doctors. And it leaves no bruises, no wounds, no obvious signs of infection. Doctors are led to believe the victim is suffering from kidney infection, bowel infection, UTI, autoimmune diseases, stomach infections, way before they even think, oh my god, is this thallium? So for that reason, it's also often dubbed as the inheritance powder because of how many wealthy grandparents started showing symptoms of thallium poisoning. And the creepiest part about thallium poisoning is you don't know until it's too late, typically. And I really try to not get too paranoid when I'm talking about these cases, but I will say this is a case where it does make me feel a little bit more protective of my beverages and my food. So with thallium, it can enter your body through inhalation. So it can be in the air. It can be absorbed through the skin, in a lotion, any skin contact, and ingestion. A lot of killers will actually go the ingestion route because it's odorless, it's tasteless, and it smoothly blends into drinks and food without changing the color or texture much. So you could put it into coffee and it's not going to do like the whole coffee creamer thing where it makes it like a lighter color. 
You wouldn't even taste it. You wouldn't even see it. And all you need is less than a gram. That is less than half a dime. You know the coin, the dime? Mm-hmm. Half of a dime. That's like deadly? Just yeah. that much? In an adult. That's all it takes. And it's bad. There are three phases to poisoning before death by thallium. The symptoms will initially start off slow. And again, it's very confusing for the person who has it because you're thinking, oh my God, do I have a stomach bug? So you get stomach aches, diarrhea, vomiting. Most people at this stage are like, what did I eat? And then the unbearable pain hits. You realize this is not an ordinary stomach bug. You have tremors. You've got headaches, insomnia, temporary if not permanent loss of vision. There are reports that people suffering from thallium poisoning can't even see a water cup right in front of their eyes. Every part of the body starts to feel pain just by existing. It feels tender as if someone went and used tweezers to peel every single piece of skin off the first layer of your skin And anything touching your body now feels like a fourth degree burn. A lot of people report feeling, you know, even the pain of having a bed sheet, not even a blanket, like those thin sheets on you. It's like the Eiffel Tower stabbing into your body. You can't get up because it feels like you're walking on hot coals and your skin is burning. If you try to lift the leg of someone suffering from serious thallium poisoning, even a gentle touch to the leg is so painful that you're just going to hear some of the most horrific cries for help. And it's on every part of your body. It's not just your extremities, like your arms and your legs. Some people report feeling these never-ending, ruthless, stabbing sensations all over their body, including their private parts. And then the neurological phase hits. The final phase before death. You're talking involuntary movement disorders. Seizures may start to occur. You lose a function of your own limbs and extremities, leaving you paralyzed temporarily or indefinitely. Impairment of thought and mood, regression of mental acuity. And in this case, Ling was going from being a chemistry major at the Harvard of China to having the IQ and mental competency of a six-year-old child. The most notable person associated with thallium is actually a man named Graham Young. Let me know if you want a case on this. Graham Young, he didn't discover thallium. Um, He was a serial killer that poisoned 70 people with thallium in their teacups. He was fascinated by thallium. He wanted to watch his victims suffer in the most painful. This is not a, um, it's not a graceful way to go. It's not a painless, you know, you have some cases in true crime where the murderer wants that person dead and they want to get it fast, like get it over with. This is not one of those. It's a slow burn. It's a full degradation of human bodies. When Young went too long before killing again, he would miss the kill. And he said, I miss the power it gives me. I suppose I ceased to see these people as people. They were simply guinea pigs to me. So Bay and Ling's parents, they're reading about all of this. And they eagerly tell the doctors everything they just learned. And they're like, we just cracked the code. We need to get her the antidote to thallium because guess what? There's an antidote to thallium. And they're telling the doctors, it's thallium. It makes sense. She's got the telltale symptoms. Look at these doctors. They've studied thallium extensively. These are the emails that they've sent. They said that we never found it in her blood because we need to send it to a specific lab that can test specifically for thallium. Mm, So they never tested that. No. And the doctors look at them and they go, yeah, no, no, it's not thallium. These internet doctors are just doctors on the internet, but we are her real doctors. We see her every day. 
The hospital argued that it's not thallium poisoning for the exact reasons that Bay was arguing it is thallium poisoning. So Ling's family is arguing, you know, thallium is rare. That's why it's so hard to pinpoint the symptoms to get the correct diagnosis. But thallium is the only thing that makes sense. All the symptoms line up. But then the hospital is arguing it's not thallium precisely for that reason. Do you hear yourself? It's so rare. Thallium is a highly regulated substance. Who would go to great lengths to poison a random college student with it? The hospital refused to track down the antidote for thallium or even send her blood to get tested for thallium. And they said, even if it is thallium poisoning, like hypothetically speaking, which it's not, I assure you, but even if it were, the antidote isn't going to help right now. She's too far gone. Wow, I cannot believe this. Which really is not a great sentiment. Ling's family and friends were shocked. Thallium is particularly dangerous because our bodies confuse it for potassium, which we have a lot of in our systems, and we don't fight it. We let it just like wander around our body. It floats through our bodies and just starts honestly messing things up, causing severe irreparable nerve damage. It's the equivalent of letting a friend into your house and letting them wander, have free reign and control over your home without knowing that they're going room by room, killing anything and everything, destroying it one by one. The book, The Poisoner's Handbook, says this about thallium. It was, one might say, a chemist's poison. It's one of the worst poisons, killing slowly. It gives the poisoner control over how quickly the victim dies. So time is of the essence with thallium. In most cases, even if someone survives thallium poisoning, if it's this level of severe, their lives are changed forever. Likely, they will never be able to feel their legs again. They will never grow their hair back. And these are just some of the smaller changes. For Ling's case, she could forever mentally regress to a six-year-old unless they figured something out quick. The hospital's not helping. It seemed like Ling's parents, her friends and family, they were the only ones that could help her. So the main question would be, who would want to kill Ling? Because we got to answer one of these questions of who, how, why, right? So who? There was an incident in Ling's past that made people wonder very briefly if maybe there was someone out there who had it out for her long before she even came to Qinghua. Maybe someone had been targeting her her whole life. Ling had an older sister named Jing. But she died mysteriously and the circumstances surrounding her death are just weird. To give you some context, Jing and Ling were considered the perfect daughters. Like even when they were kids, they were both super disciplined, studious. They wanted to make their parents proud. And you know the children that talk so eloquently? You're like, why does this five-year-old talk like they've already read all the Shakespeare novels and like dissected the meeting behind the catcher and the rye? That was them. But between the two of them, they never had that sibling rivalry, competitiveness. They just found comfort in having each other and supporting each other. So Jing being a few years older, she gets into college first, Beijing University. This is like Yale. If Tsinghua is Harvard, Beijing University is Yale. Wow. They're both so smart. And at this point, Ling was still living at home. Jing is away at college. And one weekend, Jing and her 10 friends decide to go to a national park a few hundred miles outside of Beijing. Everything was meticulously planned. They were going to get there really early Saturday, spend all day Saturday on these outdoor activities, and then Sunday, they would return by bus or train in two groups. So some people had study groups on Sunday, so they would catch an early morning bus back to campus. The other group, they didn't have a study group, so they're like, why don't we just explore a little bit more, and then we'll go in the afternoon. The day of the outing, very memorable. Everybody's having a good time. The next day rolls around, and Jing is on the early morning bus. 
all of her things are packed and she's waiting for the rest of her friends to pack up their stuff and she's thinking you know what why am i just sitting here in this hotel i'm gonna go out and like grab a cup of coffee and i'll meet you guys at the train station okay takes her luggage with her doesn't show up at the train station and since everyone had already bought their tickets and they need to go to the study group, they just kind of left. They assumed she's an adult. She's more than capable of having her own schedule. Nobody overthought it. She's probably going to catch up with the second group and come with them. On Monday, she doesn't show up to class. Okay, that's not like Jing. Jing is very studious. She takes her classes very seriously. Her classmates called her parents to see if she had gone home maybe. She hadn't. So everyone rushes back to the national park and they start looking for Jing. This national park is technically a tourist location, but only a small part of it. The entire park itself is over 128,000 acres. Wow. Jing would not be found till three days later. She was laying at the bottom of a cliff, but this is where things don't really add up. If she was found dead at the bottom of the cliff, the assumption is that she fell off the cliff. But... Where she was found was pretty secluded. She was laying there and her clothes were neat and her body looked peaceful almost. It's not a stretch to imagine that if someone fell off a cliff, they would try to grab onto things. They wouldn't be found. It's almost like she was laying there taking a nap. Like it didn't look like she fell off somewhere. No. Even if she wasn't trying to grab onto things, like the way she would have landed, just didn't make sense. So is it someone saying that she could have been dead by the time she fell? dead and then staged to look like she fell is Mm. kind of the thing that nobody will say out loud because there's just so many weird things about it and a few other odd details where jing had left her friends with all her luggage because she was supposed to meet them at the train station her luggage was nowhere to be found jing had fallen off a cliff that also wasn't straight down so it wasn't that steep of a cliff it was kind of more slanted so she accidentally fell and she was in her right conscious mind Every human, the instinct is to grab onto something. Nearby tree branches, rocks. I mean, it's more of a tumble. This is a tumbling cliff, not a free fall cliff. There were no scratch marks on her hands, none on her arms. Her clothes were unwrinkled and intact. There were no injuries or even dirt underneath her fingernails. It looked like someone had placed her under the cliff. But authorities, they ruled out homicide. They ruled out self-inflicted wounds. They said it was an accidental death. But it always affected Ling, that her sister was gone, and it just felt like no real answers or closure. It just didn't make any sense. But now that Ling is also suffering in college, a lot of people are wondering, what if someone has it out for the sisters? Like, what if they're both being targeted? But not a single suspect came to mind. Both sisters were generally well-loved by their peers, and technically Jing's death was, you know, ruled accidental. Side note, this is really sad, but the top two schools in the nation of China are Beijing University and Tsinghua University. It's said that Ling really liked both colleges, and it's presumed that had her sister been alive, she would have chosen to go to Beijing. But since she passed, she felt like if she went there, all she would think about is, did my sister walk down this hall? Did my sister stay in the storm? So she chose Tsinghua. Wow, what a tragedy. Wow. Yeah, this family. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, it was a theory that had to be explored, but then it was shut down. Another theory popped up. The idea that maybe Ling wasn't the actual target. Maybe Ling's parents were the target, and to get to them, someone went through Ling. Technically, it made sense because Ling is so young and well-liked in school. Like, this just doesn't feel like a college crime. If she didn't have enemies, maybe her parents did, and she was just collateral damage. Ling's dad was a senior engineer at the National Earthquake Agency of China. It's a high-level position that works closely with the government, and maybe he knew something he shouldn't have known, or maybe someone had it out for him. 
Or maybe Ling's mom was the target. She was an engineer at the Chinese Oceanic Company. Again, another prestigious position. But both these theories would lead to a dead end. Ling's parents did not seem to have any enemies who would want to harm them or Ling. So now people are thinking, okay, if we can't answer the question of who and why, can we at least find out how? Maybe that leads us to the other questions. How was she poisoned? That could help. Their best guess was that she ingested thallium or applied it to her skin because if it was through inhalation, there must have been others that got sick at this school. Unless she was in some sort of vacuum-sealed room where she was only inhaling thallium vapor and nobody else was, but that doesn't make sense. Nobody else on campus ever showed signs of thallium poisoning. So it's got to be ingestion or contact. They go to her dorm room, Tsinghua University. Tsinghua, okay? There's a shampoo thief, conveniently. What? At the nation's most prestigious university. They say there's a thief who stole shampoos? Mm Mm-hmm. While Ling was in the hospital, but only Ling's. While Ling was in the hospital, her personal items were stolen. Her contact lens case, which is terrifying to think about, lipstick, shampoo, bath soap, all of her water cups where she drinks water, towel, gone. Okay, then that's, I mean, that's the investigation, right? Yeah. You've got to find out who stole it. Right, exactly. So at the time, there's no security cameras, though. So they can't even see who's the thief. But they do have some sort of process of elimination. The dorms at Tsinghua are gendered. So meaning only female students can get into the female dorms. And you had to be a current student to get in. You could not be alumni. You could not be postgrad. You had to be undergrad. I also believe the records indicate whenever a professor shows up into a dorm building. Just because there's no real specific reason for professors to be in dorm buildings. There's no lecture halls inside the dorm buildings. So they're looking at a female undergrad student. That's still hundreds, if not a thousand people. While all of this is happening, Ling's parents requested the police to help investigate. They told the officers, it's thallium. We're certain of it. Please, the hospital is doing nothing. You have to help us. And whoever did this to our daughter must have gotten the thallium from somewhere. If it's highly regulated, like the hospital says, then there must be some record of it. The police, they get to work. Because like I said, you know, Ling's parents, they're pretty credible people. Not saying that the police should only work off of credible people, but I would imagine that if maybe her parents didn't have some sort of academic standing, I don't know. I don't know what the cops would do if my mom showed up at a station and was like, my daughter is getting poisoned by thallium. So they're like, okay, fine. We're going to look into it. They start investigating over 20 retailers who supply thallium. They start pouring through their records. So you're like, what? I thought thallium is banned. It's banned in a lot of commercially available products. So rat poison, like things that you would buy at Home Depot. But it is still used to make optical lenses like eyeglasses. It's used in electronics. A lot of phones have thallium in them. But, you know, just because you break apart your phone doesn't mean you're like, oh, thallium, let me poison people. It's used in the manufacturing process. So they go to these retailers who are like, okay, who are you selling thallium to? And what are they doing with that thallium? They start pouring through all the records and they see something shocking. Tsinghua University Chemistry Department. There was thallium in that school. Now everyone's brains are turning. Okay, someone at that school had access to thallium and they chose to use it on Ling. Maybe a sick professor with an agenda. Maybe a love triangle between students. Maybe Ling rejected a guy and he wanted to kill her because this wouldn't be the first time that happened. They go to Tsinghua and they're like, hey, is this true? Like, did you guys experiment with thallium? You said that there's no thallium on campus, but it shows that you guys purchased thallium, the chemistry department, the department that Ling is in. And if so, do you have a list of everyone that was involved in the experiment with thallium? 
Police discovered that from the entire university, only seven people had access. Two teachers, three female post-grad students, and two undergrad students. So that means whoever did this must have been involved in the thallium experiment and must have had the opportunity to steal the shampoo and toiletries from Ling's room. That made the most sense, which means we can cross out the two professors, the postgrad students, which leaves us with just two undergraduate students. One guy and one girl. The guy couldn't have access to the girl dorm rooms. So that's just one name left. And what's the name? Sunny, Ling's best friend and roommate. Wow, what the heck? The day that Ling's class graduated from Tsinghua, after four long years, three of the 31 students from the chemistry department were nowhere to be seen. One was out sick with the flu, and the other two, best friends Ling and Sunny. Ling was poisoned and could not graduate. Sunny was identified as a suspect the night before graduation. She was at the police station being questioned for the attempted murder of Ling, and netizens believe this to be a slam dunk case. Sunny had access to thallium. She had access to Ling. She had access to the missing shampoo bottles. She had also checked out books from the school library on thallium prior to Ling's poisoning. Now, one could argue that she was part of a thallium experiment, but I don't know. All of it's pretty convenient. The motive is probably the trickiest part because technically Sunny is also an it girl that also had it all. She was smart, came from a strong family background. Why would she risk it all to poison Ling? Mutual friends of both Sunny and Ling said Ling just defeated her at the student election and Sunny was not the type of girl that was okay with losing. She was also just kind of a bitch in general. Yeah, that's what they said. She was mean and rude in general. Sorry, I don't know what to tell you. That's what they're saying. Friends said Ling was also the type to want to include everyone in everything. They remembered how Ling brought Sunny to an orchestra practice and proudly announced, this is my roommate Sunny. She loves traditional Chinese music and really wants to join the orchestra. It seems like though, Sunny was accepted into the orchestra and made friends because of Ling. But a lot of friends said, you know, there was a shift once they were both on the orchestra. As Ling progressed and gained more recognition, Sunny seemed annoyed. Allegedly, especially when Ling had been given the chance to perform a solo at the Beijing Philharmonic, it seemed like a major shift in the friendship. A lot of friends speculated that it's just not hard for the girls to see why Sunny could have been beyond jealous of Ling. Ling was beautiful, highly capable, and she just made everything seem so effortless. She was the it girl. She attracted the admiration of not just other girls, but boys, professors, everyone. And one time Ling had asked her mom, Mom, why would best friends go through rough times? She's like, what do you mean, sweetie? Nothing. There was just an incident. So Ling had been scheduled for orchestra practice, but because of some last-minute changes in her academic schedule, she couldn't make it to practice, but she decided she would make up for it by scheduling a one-on-one -on -one with the teacher later. But I guess she forgot to tell the teacher, and maybe the teacher hadn't gotten her message yet, because the teacher looked around during practice and was like, hey, does anyone know where Ling is? And Sunny allegedly responded, yeah, she just wanted to relax a bit. She said she didn't need practice. She made it sound like this was not a priority for Ling, and she's just hanging out in her dorm room with a with a bunch of boys or something. It was so strange. And of course, the situation got back to Ling and she was confused, but she thought, okay, maybe it's miscommunication. But then allegedly, there was another incident. The orchestra had invited this legendary teacher from a music academy to guest teach. This is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, a learning opportunity. Sunny allegedly had a pick-me moment where she said out loud while smiling, allegedly, I'm sure that Ling could sit in the back because she's already so good. It'd be selfish if she sat in the front or in the middle because other kids need to learn. 
I mean, there's no way that Lean could argue. And so she sat in the back, but she just felt weird about it. Like, even if Sunny's reasoning made sense, it wasn't her place to call her out like that. But I guess the question now is, is that really a motive? Would she really risk her own life to take someone down? Netizens felt like it. A lot of them argued. Who had access to thallium? Sunny. Who had access to Ling's belongings and food? Sunny. Who had the motive to want Ling gone? Sunny. And who did the police let go? Sunny. What? Sunny was questioned for eight hours straight, and then her family came to pick her up, and she was never questioned again. That didn't make a lot of sense to a lot of netizens, including Ling's parents. What kind of weird investigative work is that? Of course she didn't confess in the first eight hours, but bring her back, investigate more, gather more evidence. It's a slam dunk case. That's what a lot of netizens are saying. So some netizens, they started doing their own investigating, and they discovered. Sunny's family was one of the most prominent families at Tsinghua University. Sunny's dad was an important member of the Democratic Revolutionary Committee. Sunny's grandfather was former vice chairman of the Democratic Revolutionary Committee. Sunny's uncle was a pioneer in the development of the transportation sector in China. Most of her family members were either working in government positions or state-run prestigious universities as professors. Her first cousin was the deputy mayor of Beijing, as well as the vice chairman and executive vice chairman of all China Federation of Industry and Commerce. Holy cow. And I mean, if you think having government positions in a place like America pulls a lot of strings, it's probably worse in China. And just like that, Ling's case was closed, labeled unsolved. Oh, that's it? That's it. Sunny states that she was cleared of any suspicion by the police. She states that she is innocent and has zero motive to poison Ling. She said she also would like the real culprit to be found and face justice. Sunny would go on to change her name, change her legal date of birth, marry an American man, and move to the United States with a green card, and has been living a free life ever since. She's still here? Yes. Oh. Meanwhile, for Ling, everything was too late. It had been confirmed too late that thallium was the poison responsible for Ling's mystery illness. When she was finally tested for thallium and, you know, after her parents begging and begging, it showed that she had tens of thousands of times higher than the amount that was acceptable. At this point, there is a cure for thallium poisoning called Prussian blue. This is so fascinating, okay? Prussian blue is truly something. Prussian blue is interesting because it's actually a dark blue pigment. It's a synthetic pigment. It's a powder that's blue in color. A pigmented powder that's widely used to create paint for artists. So the famous Great Wave painting, you know what I'm talking about? Or um, maybe Van Gogh's Starry Night is a more iconic one. Mm -hmm. That uses a lot of Prussian blue. The color is Prussian blue. And it makes it sound super fancy, but Prussian blue was the first synthetic pigment ever made, which means it's dirt cheap, it's non-toxic, it's intensely colored, it's very affordable. It's not like, um, there's one called like Blue Lapis that you have to find in nature and it's super expensive. Mm -hmm. This is cheap. But you can't just go to a paint manufacturer and demand Prussian blue and start snorting it because you think you're being poisoned with thallium. There are pharmaceutical grade Prussian blue pigments that are used for people who ingest thallium. What it does is it basically binds to the thallium inside your body, making sure that it can't just roam around more. Now it's like, mm, you're going to come with me and you're going to get pooped out, basically. It's a pretty effective antidote. And while you can go to any paint store and buy Prussian blue pigmented paint, Prussian blue in powder form, pharmaceutical grade, good enough to help save someone dying from thallium poisoning level of good is nearly impossible to find. 
Why though? It's so cheap to make. That doesn't make sense. Prussian blue is also an antidote for radiation poisoning. So even in countries like the US, the government keeps it under close stockpile. They stockpile it in case of a nuclear attack. Wow. They don't just go around giving out Prussian blue left and right because you think someone has thallium poisoning. And at this point, it had already been too late. Like the thallium had been absorbed in her body and it had done all the damage at this point. Even if she took Prussian blue now, it's not going to do anything. Ling had been declared permanently disabled by the hospital due to the nerve damage caused by thallium. The side effects have caused her to regress mentally to the age of a six-year-old. She will need 24-7 around-the-clock care. On top of that, Ling's face was semi-paralyzed. She would forever be wheelchair-bound. She not lost nearly all her eyesight. The hospital was later sentenced to compensate Ling's family $14,000 for the misdiagnosis and improper handling of her case, which is that's nothing. That's it. Yeah, like that's less than nothing at this point because it's almost a slap in the face. Wow. Even more heartbreaking is Ling's family wasn't even alerted that Ling's case was closed. The police did it quietly, which just adds another layer of suspicion and injustice to this case. In a few weeks, it'll be Ling's birthday, November 24th. She will be 50 years old. Last year for her 49th birthday, her family all gathered around the house to celebrate. Parents, relatives, cousin, they all traveled to get there and they were trying to smile as big as they could. They brought in giant fruit cakes, Ling's favorite dishes and desserts. Ling's father was busy putting a party hat on Ling and Ling's mom was busy putting away all the gifts and it was supposed to be this very joyous day. The fact that Ling had been able to make it this far, the fact that she was alive to celebrate a birthday was enough for the family. But there is that underlying sadness that everyone feels. And I just want to clarify, the sadness the family feels does not come from the fact that Ling is not able-bodied. But everything that they had grown to know and love about Ling had been so cruelly taken from her. Netizens believe maybe it would have been easier on the family mentally and emotionally if Ling had perhaps had a genetic condition that caused her physical decline. But this, this is the feeling that someone did this to their precious daughter. Someone had so much hatred for her for whatever unknown unjustifiable reason to want this for their daughter who gives someone that power and audacity and then that person whoever it was got away it's a very hard pill to swallow they feel robbed of both their daughters ling had worked so hard to get into Qinghua. i mean everything that she loved playing the gu Qing, pouring her heart into her academic studies dancing to traditional chinese music all of that is gone and now she can't even use the restroom alone even her birthday cake, she has to wait till her mom decides to feed her another bite. You would think that everyone would be sympathetic to Ling's family and what they're going through, but it gets really weird. The family received a letter in 2013, an anonymous letter that was turned over to the police. It reads in short, your daughter has nothing to do with the term outstanding. Personally, I am a district level model student and honor student, and I cannot comprehend your daughter's behavior. I have never encountered someone like her. Everything in life follows the law of cause and effect. A person's fortune depends on the seeds they plant, with good actions leading to good causes and bad actions leading to bad consequences there's a new theory that comes with this though so listen if your daughter followed a proper schedule didn't disturb others respected her classmates and maintained good relationships with her dorm mates 
How could she end up in such a horrible position? Success in life begins with being a successful person. Your daughter's failure in character has led her to this unfortunate situation. If there's a next life, as a couple, you should first teach your daughter how to be a good person, how to respect others, and how to get along with other people. Be generous, engage in charitable activities, and become someone who can contribute to the country and even the nation. That is what makes a person truly excellent. Signed, Dong Dong. D-O-N-G? Dong Dong. Dong Dong. From LA. What? The letter was turned over to the police, but nothing came of it. We don't know who wrote it. But a new theory did emerge, which was maybe there was more than one person who wanted Ling dead. It sounds like a group of people decided that Ling had to go for whatever reason. Like schedule, if she didn't disturb her dorm mates. Group mentality is a very scary thing because it's a four-person dorm room. Mm. One person says, hey, did you notice that she's a little rude? The others might not agree, but the next time they talk to Ling, maybe they start thinking, wait, why would she say that? That is a little rude, isn't it? Then they go back and maybe it just snowballs into something that's probably rooted in jealousy to begin with. Because I personally, I mean, we tried to dig as deep as possible in this case. There was not one report of Ling being rude, disrespectful, not caring for other people's schedules. She just primarily minded her own business and did her work. So did they all collude to kill her? Maybe it wasn't her dorm mates. Maybe it was the next door dorm. We don't know. Or maybe they just wanted her to drop out at the very least. Unfortunately, we don't have any answers. A White House petition did get started to get Sunny deported or arrested. It gained over 150,000 signatures, but nothing came of that either. That's where we are with today's case. Like, That's what do you? It. Yeah. Wow. There's no justice. There's no answers. Nothing. I would say majority of netizens, you know, and, and I, I don't really have a personal opinion. I try not to, but I would say majority of netizens from what we could tell in our research, they believe that Sunny is guilty and that she got away because of her family connections. And then you have some people saying, well, no, technically Sunny's family was richer, more powerful, more influential. Like, why would she go after Ling? But then the other party, the main majority of netizens are saying that's why. Because Ling had all the things that Sunny couldn't buy with money. I don't know. What do you guys think of this case? Do you think Sunny is guilty? And if so, do you think it's her family's connections that got her off without any trouble? Do you think that she's being used as a scapegoat? Maybe someone more powerful was involved. Maybe the school just really was bad at controlling who had access to thallium. And so they just wanted to throw someone under the bus. Do you think that she was part of a group that wanted Ling gone for whatever reason or she was working alone? Let me know in the comments. But please stay safe. And I guess this is a good time to remind you, be careful of who has access to your food and drinks. And I will see you guys on Sunday for the mini-sode. Bye.